Take your Bibles this morning, turn to Psalms chapter 128, if you would. I'll be there in a few moments, Psalms chapter 128. It's good to see each of you here this morning. And that's a great way that we already have begun the new year by being faithful to church. I asked this question through my, through my study school class today. This is the 50 to 60 year olds. And uh, it took me a while to understand what was happening. I asked how many of them had made a resolution. And less than half of them said they, they had. And so first, my first response was thinking, wow, these people are jaded, you know. And uh, they've given up. And then I realized, no, they've attained all of their, yeah, so. They're already there. They have arrived, so. But for those of us who have not, uh, today's message is, is really going to be an encouragement for you to do some evaluation and for us to do some change. You know, I'm not one of those people who think New Year's resolution uh, or passe. I, I think there's value in you and I looking in the mirror of the Word of God and saying, I can still grow in the likeness and image of Jesus Christ. There are things I need to do that are important in my life. As long as you and I have breath, there are contributions for the, the cause of Christ that we can make. And I think it's good for us. I think the Bible encourages us in a thousand places to stop, to think, to evaluate, and then to initiate change, to redeem the time, um, to choose you this day whom you will serve. And on and on, there's a replete list of uh, things that, and places where the Bible encourages us to do that. And so that really is our intent today, is to evaluate ourselves in light of what we can do uh, for the cause of Christ. And so go ahead and stand with me if you would to Psalms 128. And today's just sort of a jumping off place. I won't be pre uh, preaching this text specifically, but the simple idea here that, you know, we can choose to be blessed or to be a blessing. So Psalms 128 says this, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in His ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands, happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house, thy children like all the plants round about thy table. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children and peace upon Israel. And every bit of that sounds really good to me. But it all begins is blessed is everyone with this conditional clause that. You know, there's a blessing in this life that we can forfeit if we don't choose to walk in the ways of the Lord and to direct our life in His steps. So today I want to ask you to consider the thought of evaluate and change. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning having already, having received encouragement, been blessed by the teaching of our Sunday school, and, and, and now, Lord, the music of, of this past 30 minutes. And Lord, we look forward to this time together and looking in your word. And Lord, considering th this truth that, Lord, we, um, in some measure, Lord, can direct the destiny of our lives and, the, and its outcomes. And so, Lord, I pray you to help us with this. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you so much for standing. William Edwards Demings was an American business theorist. He was an economist, an industrial engineer. He was a management consultant and statistician. He wrote a number of well-received books at his times. He wrote many more publications 
and I would say scientific or educational uh, papers. He was born in 1900 and he passed away in 1993. He served as a professor in many prestigious universities. Um, one of the latter ones was Yale University. For a time, he worked for the federal government and served under General Douglas MacArthur as a census consultant for the Japanese government post-World War II. While there in Japan, he taught some seminars on the statistical process of control. However, after his assignment there, he was contacted, um, and this was approved by the Japanese government, and he was contacted specifically by the Union of Japanese Scientists and Engineers. And he was asked by the Japanese business leaders to help them change and redesign their models of business for success post-World War II. And as you can imagine, the infrastructure of Japan after World War II was in shambles. There really were no businesses to speak of. Everything was uh, just in disarray. And, and they needed to get on footing. And of all the people in the world they could ask, and I'm sure they asked many other consultants, but chief among them was this particular man, Mr. Demings. He played an incredibly significant role in the rise of Japanese industry, much of which we appreciate today and, and we can see. He has been called the father of the third industrial revolution. In 1993, or before that, he founded the W. Edwards Deming Institute in Washington, D.C. And it contains a copy of all he has written, of his personal library, his life's work, writings, and philosophy. His life had a profound influence here in America, too. He strongly influenced companies like Ford Motor Company, which were highly interested in being efficient in their process. Uh, I think if he was alive today, he'd be very proud of Amazon in their efficiency. He was awarded many prestigious awards by Japan, and also President Ronald Reagan awarded him the National Merit Medal of Technology in 1987. And all that to say this, Mr. Demings, Dr. Demings, is remembered for many things. <clears throat> but in his writings, I found a quote many, many years ago that has had an indelible and profound effect on my life personally. Now, for those who you've been here for any time at all, You've heard me say this, but I'm going to first quote it as he did. He said, every system is perfectly designed to get the result it does. Now, in type and kind, how many of you have heard me say something like that in the past? I've condensed to this, every product has a process. That specific quote, um, I've in, I say enhanced, I've said it in a way that makes sense to me. Our systems of behavior are perfectly designed to produce the results that you are getting. Deming examined industrial systems. Now when I say systems, you know what I mean? All the components, all the cogs, all the people, 
all the networks within the system, how, how something gets from A to B and then out of the shop or, or whatever. He examined systems and how effective, how successful, how impactful they were. He examined industrial systems, financial systems, economic systems, and even political systems. He suggested that if a company or an institution was inefficient, had poor quality control, if it was not innovative, the system was to blame. There was some cog within it that was not working as it could or should. And so he was always an advocate of improvements, of tweaks to improve products and processes. He understood that to get a different product, you had to make a change in the system. Does that not make sense? You know, in chemistry, they call this stuff stoichiometry. And you have these, these variables or these reagents uh, that produce products on the other side of this yield sign. And if you don't like the product you, you're getting, then it just it makes intuitive sense that you'd come back here and change one of the variables in the equation, right? Condense, every product has a process. If you don't like uh, what you're getting anywhere, well then you can change the process. And you have some control over the product in that way. Well, I've applied this, and I'm not the only person to do this. I've applied Deming's thoughts, not to technology, but rather to personal human behavior, starting with mine. And I've had to accept the fact that my systems of behavior are perfectly designed to produce, well, this life. Now, there are other variables in the equation, which I'll get to in a moment, but that is the way it works. I've come to understand that Eastland Baptist Church in a technical way, we can call this a system. And whatever we think about it, its systems of behavior are perfectly designed to produce the result that we get here every Sunday, Wednesday, and is positive and or um, could improve impacts on this world. Does that make sense? Is, is that fair? And this thought, um, at least um, in Mr. Dibbing's writings, made sense to me. I see this in my life, I see this in my family, and I see these consequences in our church. If you see a man, a family, a lady, and she's happy, he's happy, their children are well-ordered, they've had a measure of what we as Christians might call success. There's achievement, they have good relationships, um, I want to suggest to you that they are not lucky. Yes, they are blessed. Every good gift comes from where? From God above. And they, and they are no doubt the recipients of many, the manifold grace of God. But also, their system behavior are designed and conducted in such a way that you get that particular family. The converse is also true. You see an unhappy person, dismal, their marriage is, is not good, they're unfulfilled in their career, they're in trouble financially, and yes, bad things happen to good people. Yes, it, the rain, it rains on the just and the unjust. And yes, some people may have caught breaks and opportunities that other people haven't, but it is more than un, they are more than just unlucky. 
it would be fair to suggest their system behavior were perfectly designed to produce the results they've gotten in life. That's not all encompassing, but it is a strand of truth that we have to embrace. Design, divine sovereignty plays an enormous part of all of our lives. Only until we get to heaven will we know how many times God has inserted himself in our life and altered our steps. God's providence has in great measure decided much of our history, our parentage, our background, many of our past experiences. Grace has stepped into our life again in so many ways. Mercy is new every day for us. Prayers and intercessions have intervened in our lives um, in tremendous ways. But as the Bible suggests, there is both a divine and decision in human outcomes. A man's heart deviseth his ways, but the Lord directeth his steps, Proverbs 16, 9. That's why God, in His Word, encourages us, cautions us to make choices in view of the outcomes and or consequences that will follow them. <laughs> you know, I used to rehearse this to my kids all the time. You know, these are really deep biblical thoughts. If you grab a dog by the ears, you can sort of expect, you know, to get bit. Um, if you roll a stone over a hole, you're likely to fall into it. There's all these biblical proverbs like this. I just told my kids, if you mess with the bull, you get the horns. And that's the way that kind of fell out. They got the principle. And the Bible encouraged us to understand that choices are tied to inescapable consequences. Physicists have discovered this law and dynamic in their world of study. And they understood that consequences were results of systems and the way systems were conducted. They stated one of these in Newton's third law. And it says this, for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Now that has to do with the laws of, thermo, the, the laws of thermodynamics and the conservation of mass, etc. But you can distill the thought and principle into this truth. Actions beget reactions. Actions beget reactions in every arena of life. It's true in science. It's true in industry. It's true in business. It's true in commerce. It's true in ideology. It's true in relationships. It's true in your life. And it's true in this church. My actions, your actions create reactions and we want those all to be good and right, don't we? I want you to consider all the ways the Bible says this about our lives. And I'm going to submit to you there are hundreds, if not thousands of them, of if-then kind of clauses in the Word of God. Psalms 128 just being one of those. I want you to think with me about um, Numbers chapter 32. And uh, here's this story of... Moses and the tribes of Israel getting ready to go into Canaan. Uh, the Jordan is before them. Uh, they're getting ready to go across. And two tribes see that the land on the opposite side or the other side is good for cattle. And they happen to have cattle. And they uh, appeal to Moses to stay on that side of Jordan. And for a moment, you know, Moses becomes a little bit livid. And he says, this isn't going to work. 
And then they say, hey, we want to live here, but we will go and fight with you. Now that appeased Moses. Uh, I would say to you in principle, you, you ought not let your cattle determine where you live. But that's another sermon. And they did suffer earlier than the other uh, tribes did in terms of, of battles and, and fights because of making that choice. But they agreed to that and, and Moses uh, complied. And, and then he said this, but if you will not do so, if you don't make that choice, behold, you have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sins will find you out. How many of us parents have quoted that text to our children? <laughs> But that's not necessarily what it means. It's not the idea, hey, if you sin, you're going to be exposed to the world. No, it means this, that to every decision is tied a consequence. That's what it's saying. If you fail, or if, let's say that if you make the choice not to come, that um, sin, that choice, and it would be a sin, that will have consequences that will find you. Um, all of our actions find us out in time. You, well, I've never been caught. That doesn't mean you haven't been marked by them. You may not have been discovered privately, but who you are can be seen by all. Does that make sense? You cannot escape this, this truth. All of life's choices find you out in time. Sins, decisions, life choices, ways of living that stand in opposition to God's word, they find you out. There are consequences and outcomes, negative impacts tied to this. They will find you. But so too will all of life's good choices. They too will find you out in time. It's why the Bible appeals to us to choose wisdom because that will find us, it will guide us, and it will in great measure determine what life looks like for us. I want you to do a bit of, we're going to turn this some scripture here together, and I want you to turn to the book of Joshua chapter 1 real quick. This would be a very familiar text, and if you want to, I can just read this to you, but these would be places maybe if you're, you're new in your Bible or new Christian that you can mark, and that's good to do. So now Joshua has the great task, um, after Moses was gone, to lead the people, and the nation, this land of Canaan is before them. It needs to be conquered and overcome. It will not be an easy, but rather an arduous task. And so he's telling them how to find success. And so Joshua 1 verse 8 says this, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Okay? You, you need to make God first in your life. You need to find, make time for, for God's word to be part of every day. It says that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written. You need to read it and then follow it. And then we have, again, this sort of conjunctive statement, then. That's right. Not before that. Amen. Not in another decision, but in that decision. To make God the priority of your life. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And then thou shalt have good success. Then you will have God's blessing. Take your Bibles and turn to Deuteronomy chapter Eight, if you will. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Another example of the same kind of thought. The thought that Psalms 128 says, this is the sort of blessed life. 
of God's blessings following you, of putting yourself in a position to be blessed. Psalms chapter, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1. This precedes Joshua. Now Moses is speaking to the people, giving the same kind of instruction. Verse 1, all the commandments which I command thee this day shall you observe to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord sweared to your fathers. If you want to occupy this land, if you want God to bless you there, if you want to be the head, not the tail, the lender, not the borrower, as he would say, all these things, he says, then you got to make these choices to serve God. Verse 11, but beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built a goodly house and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that is that has multiplied, then thy heart be lifted up, and they forget the Lord. You stop making the, the choices that you did yesterday. For a time you served God, and what was the result? He blessed you. And you served God, and He blessed you. And then one day, you stopped working. The system operated differently. And you began to forget. And there were a set of consequences attached to that. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Turn there very quickly. Deuteronomy chapter 30, same principle. I can go to every book of the Bible and do this, but these really get to the heart of what I want to communicate. Moses is standing before the people. He's soon to depart. And he's looking up and saying, now listen, you need to make right choices. And verse 15. See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. Stop. Time out. What does that mean? It means that you can walk this way, make these choices, do these things with your life and discover these outcomes. Or you can make these decisions, these choices, live this way and discover another set of outcomes. He says it more poetically, but that's what he's saying. Verse 16, in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgment that thou mayest live and multiply. These are things that they should want. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land where thou shalt goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away, if you start making negative choices, bad ones, so that thou wilt not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. I denounce you unto this day. This set of consequences. That you will surely perish. Okay, I, I, I can read on. Great text. Read it all the way to the chapter. This. Um, uh, today is uh, January 7th. It's Sunday 7th. Is that correct? 224. And so... This is overstated, but I wake up and the day is set before me. It's just set before me. And I can do things this day that will bring positive outcomes in my life later, or I can do things indifferent and uh, indulgent, uh, hurtful or, 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 or evil, and that can bring another set of consequences to my life down the road, maybe even immediately. What Deming said of business and Newton said of physics, God has said in his word over and over and over, actions beget reactions. 
So choose wisely. Let's do one more text together, and then I'll be finished. Galatians chapter 6. And I'm sure you've already thought of this and were there before me. In no place is this principle of product or process determines product of our system of behavior are perfectly designed to produce the result we're getting. No more is more clearly stated. And all these truths were born out of this text and this truth in Galatians chapter 6, beginning in verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. You can't live any way in this life that you want to and get the outcomes you want to. That's not the way the world works. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. I love that principle because it's so hopeful. If I don't like my lot, I can change what I'm sowing. I can change my process to get a different product. I, I, I don't have the friends that I, that I want to have. Well, then a man who would be friendly, must show, a man who have friends, but show him friendly. Then I can get friends by being friendly. If I, I don't have all the money in the bank I want to right now, well, I can begin doing something about that. I can begin to sow so I can reap later. <clears throat> there, there, so much of my future destiny is in today's sowing. This does not have to be a negative precept unless that's just the way you choose to live. A takeaway. A new year is the perfect time to take stock of where your past decisions have gotten you. Is it not? Do an objective analysis and in the mirror inventory. Realize that you have played an important role in where you are. Do a systems evaluation. And do it emotionally. Do it relationally. Do it economically. I would encourage you to do it physically. And most of all, do it spiritually. I'm pretty sure we can all find areas of our lives where what has found us out is positive. I have friends. I feel loved. I get to be the part of an extraordinary church family. There is much goodness and grace in my life. In truth, much of what I've received in life is undeserved and unmerited. Grace and mercy and blessing has found me. And I'm sure in everyone's life here, to a degree, we can say that. Can we not? But I'm sure maybe in everyone here in areas of our life, what has found us out may not be so positive. You know, we have to apply this in every area of our life. You can be a great dad and have miserable finances. You can be a successful person in life, but be miserable in serving the Lord. We have to, you know, find the areas of life that matter most and do this inventory. Maybe we're discovering today that I've spent too much time idly, too much time in amusement, and it shows. 
in my intellect, in my health, in my contributions. I've not asserted myself. I don't have a friend because I've not been friendly. My finances are a wreck. My relationships need mending. For these things you can weep or you can choose to sow differently so you can reap differently in time. If you are frustrated with any area of life you're in, character, your children's behavior, your health, your marriage, your contributions, your walk with the Lord, realize what Deming said and Newton said, and most importantly, what God said is true, that the system you're in and the way you live your life is always going to get that product unless you change your life. And that's not always easy. But with God's grace, we can. Remember with these things, there's some associated truth. In sowing and reaping, there are different time frames for getting something back. So, um, Kathy helped me out with this. If I walk down in some place and I smile at Kathy, she, she smiled back. That's how long it takes to reap what you sowed. Just that fast. I guess it's so easy, isn't it? Just go, I mean, it's just, there's some weirdos who won't smile back at you. You know, but just try it. Just walk around and start smiling at people. They think maybe you're crazy, but just go ahead and smile at them. It's just God's law in action. You reap what you sow. Now, there are unique and odd exceptions, of course, but the rule applies. Go out there and smile. Be nice. People be nice to you. Be kind. Be kind back. You give. People give back to you. Spend time with them. They'll spend time with you. It's not rocket science. But sometimes you do something and you have to wait for the positive and sometimes the negative consequences. That's the choice you make. Sometimes you have to choose what um, you want most over what you want now. What I want now is a cookie. What I want most is to lose three pounds. What I want, what I want now is to be entertained. But what I want most is to grow, so I need to read a book. Are you with me? Yes, it takes some discipline. And, 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 and discipline or lack of it is another way we say character. And that takes time to change, but you can with God's grace. The old cliche, the best, come, best things come to those who wait. Who wait, not indulge. Who wait, not gratify. Who wait, who are not impulsive. Who wait, restrain. I'll use this word. Who work. And then good things can come. You can choose today to begin to master the things around you, or the things around you will begin to master you. I, another way of understanding this, I've... The story of the Pearl of Great Price, I love the story. Man's walking down the road and through a field. I don't know, he sees a shiny thing, he kicks it up, unearths it, there's a treasure. I know how he did it. He opens the box, a treasure. He realizes in that instant that's worth more than everything he possesses. He covers it back up, I would too. He covers it back up, he goes home, and he sells everything he has 
He makes some choices. Why? Because there are some things in life worth trading for things that are more valuable. And the Christian life, that is so true. But in precept that has helped me is you will never have the things that you fail to provide for. Now, that's overarching and too strongly said, but the precept is true. You will never have money that you do not save. You will never have friends that you do not make. You'll never love a church that you don't give to and serve with. You just won't. Where your treasures that we heart be also. But here's where it gets big. I'd like to, when I die, to hear the words, well done, well done, that good and faithful servant. But those words don't come for free. My salvation comes freely by the grace of God when received by faith. It's all of Him. I can't do that for myself. Okay? But God encouraged me to lay up treasures in heaven. That's a choice versus treasures on the earth. He encourages me to um, give a cup of cold water to someone. He encourages me to uh, do what He did because evidently there's some rewards to come that I'm going to have to wait for to receive. If you want a good marriage, self-control, money in the bank, if you want to see someone one to Christ, happiness and joy, treasures in heaven, you might have to do something to provide for those. I would love to see more people saved. Well, we can wish it. Better yet, we could pray about it. But best of all, we could pray about it and then go do something about it. And I'm going to finish. I got to. So, if we went all the way, if we're in Galatians, I want you to look there with me. And and so he says, you know, this great principle: be not not deceived, God is not mocked. And and then verse eight really just is the whole sermon: for he that soweth to his flesh shall reap corruption; he that soweth to the spirit shall reap the spirit, reap everlasting life. (laughs) Forgive me, you are what you eat. You know, these phrases come from someplace. And then this admonition, and I'll finish with verse 9. And he says, okay, look up here for a second. In these systems of behavior, all of which have to be maintained, don't grow weary in maintaining them. Because it's work. It's not easy. It takes effort. You have to keep on trying. Last Sunday night, Brother Daniel preached a message from Ecclesiastes. He said so many good things. But man, he punched me in the gut. Now, I I didn't dig out the quote. This is my weak removed takeaway. But he said basically this. Stop relying on efforts and capital and decisions of the past. And then I thought, what a great thought. And then I thought about me. Man, that resonated with me. I'm happy with, I'm happy with our marriage. I had my kids here with me in church today. 
got a lot of things to be thankful for. But most everything I'm enjoying today resulted in work that was done yesterday. Hey, together, you know, a lot of us together have kept this place going. Only God knows the blood, sweat, and tears and money. Right? Okay. The service we enjoyed today, almost every single bit of it was rooted in a yesterday. Those people practiced before today. The people playing over there have practiced for years. I have played the piano for her whole life. Right? The spirit here has been cultivated. Does this make sense to you? See, the system behavior is perfectly produced results we're getting, but if you want to keep getting the same thing, you have to keep doing the same thing. And that can grow weary. Good things are not lost because they cease being good because good men grow weary in doing them. I, I want to submit to you that there's a lot that you and I can still do. I've read the Bible in the past. I probably should read it through again. I spent time on my knees. I probably ought not stop. I've read a lot of books in my lifetime. They've sharpened me. It's probably not a good time to stop if I want to remain sharp. 2024 is not a year. I'm not a prognosticator, but it is probably not a good year to grow weary. It is dangerous for people to settle on their lees. It's a metaphor about how uh, what's in wine, the, the, the substance settling and spoiling. We can't settle and keep what we have. You just can't. What was gained by hard work can be lost by negligence and indifference. Just a little sleep and a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and so shall they want come as a man who is robbed. And poverty will result. I am asking you to help me and each other um, to evaluate this system we call Eastland Baptist Church. And let's maintain it. If we like, if you like what you get here, then be a part of it. If something's lacking, then let's fix it. Let's add what is missing so it can be better. It can be brighter. It can have a greater impact and influence. And, and it works like this. That starts when you work on you. So why don't you look in the mirror diagnostically. Lord, what's in my life that needs to be changed? Where I'm, you know, I'm doing the same things, getting the same results. I've got to get out of that system or I got to fix the system and do something different. If difficult days are ahead, you know, I know this, Joseph, Joseph prepared before. If you want to have the strength of character and the strength of faith to meet all the challenges of a coming year, then let's make sure we're doing what we can today to be a strong and a spiritual and have that walk with the Lord that we need. Your systems of behavior are perfectly designed to produce the results you're getting.
Let me ask you to stand if you would.